Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey fam, I'm Jada Pinkett Smith, and this is the Red Table Talk podcast. All your favorite episodes from the Facebook Watch Show in audio. Produced by Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio. Please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You guys, I'm so excited that Demi and her daughters are here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Demi Moore is making headlines with her explosive new book, Inside Out. The number one New York Times bestseller is filled with deeply personal accounts of her painful past including being raped at 15 by a man who paid her mother $500. Her deeply troubled mother was an alcoholic who attempted suicide when Demi was just a child. Demi struggled with her own addictions, but got sober and didn't use for almost 20 years. After her divorce from Bruce Willis, Demi found love again with Ashton Kutcher, but she relapsed and eventually that marriage ended too. Spinning out of control, Demi hit a new low when she was rushed to the hospital after taking drugs at a party. She found herself alone and estranged from her family. Demi Moore and her daughters come to the Red Table to talk about the pain passed down from parent to child. 
Welcome to me, Rumor and Tallulah. <laughs> Thank you. This is such a nice treat. It is. I remember doing dinner right. with you and Will, Bruce and I. Yes. At the Ivy at the Shore. You yes. guys, I don't even think we're married. I don't know. No, if, yeah, I don't we think you were married, married yet. Wow. Yes. And then we came to your house in Malibu. Which room I remember. Yeah. yeah. So what really hit me about your book was reading about your relationship with your mother reading about your journey and then your relationship with your girls. Mm -hmm. yeah. And me thinking about my relationship with my mother. My mother's 28 years clean, okay? Beautiful. congratulations, yeah. Yeah. that's incredible. 28 years. And then also thinking about Willow. Right. Yeah. One of the reasons for the, the Red Table and, and to have these generational conversations is to try to break some of the cycles. Right. I've had a very codependent life, and I know that I, even today when Willow and I were having a conversation about some decisions that she was making, I was yeah. like, here is the codependency. Exactly. And she got that from me. Well, one of the things is that I started to look at issues that, say, Rumor had with her self-esteem that yeah. did not reflect her environment, her insecurity, her self-loathing, just the torture of yeah. feeling not good enough, which right. is exactly what I had been dealing with for my whole life. Right. She was carrying my the weight of my issue. And I understood where mine came from, but there was a degree of it that just didn't match. And from like super, super little. And another thing that I found really interesting, and it's something I know that you're working on, you know, you can tell your kids, I love you. I love yeah. you so much every day, but if that's not reflected in how you feel about, about yourself, yourself as the mother, your kid is gonna pick up on that, mm -hmm. you know, and, right. and not be able to necessarily take in, oh, I'm so amazing because my mom says I'm amazing. Right. If my mom doesn't love herself, like how, how can right. I do right. that? How, do, how can I expect her to love herself? What did you see in your mother that you felt was a reflection of how you felt or feel? Um, a lot of the just like unworthiness, like I'm innately un unlovable somehow, no matter right. how I look, what I weigh, like how, how my hair looks, whatever the outside reflection is, there's something innately about me that I have to earn love from people and like constantly prove myself. That and a lot of the stuff with men. What yeah. about you, Tallulah? I think that this apologizing for being here, which is language which that my mom has that I have. used a lot of, trying to figure out where we fit into the equation and how to find the tiny little hole to hide into. Like trying to be invisible? Being small and being invisible. Like I'm just gonna hold everything together and get through and... White knuckle it. White yeah. knuckle it. Right. And in the book she talks about, I think one of the first times she had sex and how she felt she needed to and right. how she felt like it was something expected of her, which is pretty much been my exact story. And that's not something that we well, talked about yeah. and shared. I felt like my mom made a choice to hold back certain things from like sharing about her mm -hmm. past. And I think that always made me feel very far away from her. And it always okay. made me feel like I didn't know her very well. Yeah. So like I knew she had a career. She met my dad. She had grew up in New Mexico, but it was like, that was it. That was it. I don't believe in archaeological digs, emotional archaeological digs, for right. just the purpose of digging. But I don't think my mom was raised. She was forged. Yeah. You know, like she was, she was made. Yeah, that's and yeah. the strength that comes from that 
it's intimidating and yeah. it's scary. And it's and and as growing up, it was like okay, I kind of feel that way about my mom. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> like forged in the fire like flame. And then a rose. Like you know, sparks flying everywhere. I think we deified her. I think she was this larger than life yeah. totally. being, Absolutely. and yeah. she was. I mean, I'm completely obsessed with her. Yeah. Like I love her more than anything. I'm completely obsessed with my mom. Oh too. my god, I think I'm obsessed with <laughs> her. But would you also say that you guys created a standard yeah. for me of of a, of what you of your expectation that was also greater than or what you would put on anybody else? Like my like my room of yeah, my but, my room for error was but very yet, low. I, I will say, <laughs> but I will say that. But also, I think that that is a byproduct of, and I'm and I'm not saying this in a blaming way, but I think that that's also a byproduct of you not necessarily being weak in front of us. That, I, yeah. I, I you know what I mean? No, no, I, I, like, I agree 100%. They, they're fine. They're totally fine yeah. all and the time. And then in your mind as a kid, you're like, she's always good. Yeah, like, like, you're fine. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that 100%. Mm-hmm. You opened the book at a place that really hit me. I was now completely alone. I was almost 50. The husband who I thought was the love of my life had cheated on me, then decided he didn't want to work on our marriage. My children weren't speaking to me. Their father, a friend I'd counted on for years, was gone from my life. The career I'd scrambled to create was stalled, or maybe it was over for good. Everything I was attached to, even my health, had abandoned me. I looked like I felt destroyed. Lord knows I've been in places in my life where feeling alone, abandoned, and completely shattered. I had done so much work on myself, and to find myself in a worse place than I've ever been. Right. It was like, how the f- did I get here? Right. And so unraveling all the weight of my mother and all of those things, but when you're hiding certain things mm. that you are holding on to is shame, and that's what it was. I yeah. had a depth of shame that I held on to that was really like life or death. So can you explain why you guys weren't talking to your mom for three years? What happened was she relapsed when I was nine, and no one in our family spoke about it. And mm. I had no idea what was going on. She'd mm-hmm. been sober my entire childhood. And then she drank. And then I just knew that I was scared um, mm. and that she was unsafe. And then there was sort of many years of saying she was sober and she wasn't and we couldn't trust it. And then all of the adults around us in an effort to protect us were protecting her. And so if she wasn't sober, they would tell us she was. And so there was a complete lack of trust. Were you with Ashton then mm-hmm. when she was nine years old and that's mm-hmm. when the relapse happened? Yes, mm-hmm. how it broke down. Like, you know, I opened that door to drinking after almost 20 years. Wow. And you and Ashton were trying to have a baby. I ended up pregnant and then I lost, lost the baby right. at almost six months. And so when I couldn't get pregnant again, the guilt that I felt that it was clearly my fault was just enormous. So we went on this trip and Ashton said, I don't know if alcoholism's a thing. I think it's about moderation. And if I had stayed close to working my program, I, I of course, like I lived the majority of my adult life sober. I was great sober. I had right. I, I had no... What do you think that mental or emotional pull was to be I like... I wanted to be that girl. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I made my own story up. 
that he wanted somebody that he could have wine with and do stuff. He didn't, he's not the cause of why I opened that door. Right. I wanted to be something other than who I am. Right. And I, and I, it was literally like giving my power away. Right. So much of that time, especially with Ashton, I was so angry because I felt like something that was mine had been taken away. Yeah. yeah. And I think also when she wanted to have another baby, it was like, and then it wasn't happening. And then there was so much focus on that. It was like, oh, well, we're not enough. And part of the reason like I, I moved out of the house was um, I think after you had a miscarriage, I literally was just like, why are you so desperate to have another kid? And I couldn't stand the idea. Yeah. But then I found these pictures and I was like, oh my God. I saw how big her stomach was and I was like, oh my God, like I was so insensitive. Yeah. I never once went to you and said, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, are you okay? Yeah. And you I know? understand, and you know what? I want you to know that even in your sensitivity, it's okay to be angry. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't mean you don't love your mother, doesn't mean you're not compassionate not. for her. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. It wasn't just the addiction or, or drinking again. The addiction in the codependency, yeah. like my addiction to Ashton, mm-hmm. and that was probably almost more um, devastating Absolutely. because it, yeah. Yeah. it took me seriously away emotionally. You know, watching 
the behavior with Ashton those years because everyone left the house and it was just me right. living there. And I felt very forgotten. And I felt like I develop and I nurtured a narrative that she didn't love me. Yeah. Um, and I truly believed it. And I know that she does, yeah. uh, 100%. But in that moment, yeah. you're hurt. Right. And you can't fathom that someone that loves you would do that to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and would choose others more than you. Scout and Tallulah had very different experiences than I had when we stopped talking to my mom. They didn't speak to her for three years. I went in and out, out. as kind of like the ambassador for the family right. because at one point her friends are calling me and being like, I'm really worried about your mom. Like, you need to talk to her. And so then I'm like, okay, well, like I have to go and fix this. And then my family basically kind of like shunned me and kind of called me a traitor for mm. going to talk to her. And then I was like, then I'll have no one. I'll have my mom who's like not capable of like being my mom right now. Mm. And then the rest of my family is just not gonna speak to me anymore. Mm. Right. What was it that was scary and unsafe for you in regards to your mother's relapse? It was like the sun went down and like, like, a, like a monster came, you know? Like I remember there's just the anxiety that would come up in my body when I could sense like her eyes shutting a little bit more, the way she was speaking, or she would be a lot more affectionate with me if she wasn't sober. And I, it was, was like, jarring. And it was and very weird. weird. And there were moments where it would get angry. And I recall being very upset and, and kind of treating her like a child and speaking to her like a child and Ooh. kind of being like, you know, please like get away from me. And you know, she was, she got very angry and it would happen in front of friends. Right. And it was, it was not the mom that we had grown exactly. up with. My mom held everything together. Right. You had always chosen us, you had always put us first mm -hmm. yeah. and made that a priority, came to Idaho, like stopped working. Like being around a woman as your mother, yeah. who is this like infallible yeah. woman who can take on anything, even my dad, like all of these people that yeah. are, you know, that is in control always, like always together, always mm -hmm. in control, not being in control around right. a man. Mm -hmm. Like who is this person? I don't know who this is and I feel like they're supposed to be my my rock. Right. They are supposed to be the one who yeah. is like. And especially it's even more, I think, ex exaggerated or exacerbated because your baseline was so the opposite. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, it's course. not like this was what they knew. Right. Exactly. No, they knew something yeah. completely different. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Right. Wow. Demi says that her rock bottom happened one night at a party. In 2012, after nearly 20 years of sobriety, Demi hit a terrifying low at a birthday party. She took a puff of synthetic pot and nitrous oxide, and everything went blurry. Okay, is she breathing? Is she breathing? Yes. Okay, and she overdosed on... Yeah, uh... uh, she's convulsing. She yelled no because she knew what would come next. The ambulance, the paparazzi, and then TMZ announcing Demi Moore rushed to the hospital on drugs. I was there in the other room with 911 panicking because I'm like, all right, either my mom's gonna die and I'm not gonna be in the room and I'm gonna feel the guilt of that for the rest of my life or I'm gonna be there and see this image of my mom and that I will never get out of my head. So like what I do and or, or I'm gonna have to call my sisters in the morning and tell them that my mom died and they're never gonna talk to her again. Mm -hmm. And I took her to rehab on the plane, which was the scariest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Do you refer to yourself 
as an addict? I fully identify as an addict alcoholic. I think my whole nature is really all or right. nothing. I have two speeds, go and go faster, and I do not have an off switch. Right. In January, I'll have eight years sober. Yeah. But it's interesting though, like, I never heard you use language like that necessarily. And so I remember even like having a lot of frustration towards you and the times like you called going away to treatment camp. You know, like I had so much of this undealt with anger that I hadn't let out because I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And I think at the time I didn't have a healthy relationship with, with alcohol either. Right. Right. Yeah. So when did when did your abuse start? When this stuff, when I stopped talking to my mom, then it kind of kicked up into high gear. And I literally started getting anxiety attacks about how bad I was gonna feel the next day. Mm -hmm. mm. So I would be drunk and be, start oh like hyperventilating and, and freak out and like made my friend call 911 once. Right. I definitely think that my addiction lies more so in the like love addict codependency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. How old were you when you had your first drink? I was six. Ooh. Wow, really? I was okay, six wait, years wait, old wait, 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 wait. Jamaican rum. And then it was Johnny Walker. Oh, yeah. I was How old were uh, you? 14. 14. We were on family vacation. Uh, very, it was <laughs> champagne. Like, it was very, like, it was sweet. Like, right. Was, and then right. when I was 15, I right. guzzled vodka. And I almost died from alcohol poisoning. Wow. And then I think when my mom began to really, when things were very painful, that's when I began to drink heavily. heavily. Right. Lula had lived with me for a little while and I was like, there are three wine bottles on the bedside table. Ooh, and like, all about that. And one. then all of a sudden my medicine was going missing. Yeah. And so then I was like, I love you. You cannot stay with me anymore. So she got some like scary ass apartment. Wow. And then my dad relocated me to the Beverly Hills Hotel he didn't really know what to do with me, to be honest. Right. My dad didn't understand that once a child graduates from high school that you still have to take care of them. <laughs> I honestly, truly don't think he like recalled that. Um, so we were staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel and our little sister was about to be born. Okay, so you're talking about your dad, Bruce's baby. Yeah. And then Scout came in to tell me and I had taken a bunch of codeine and I had done a bunch of cocaine that morning and Scout couldn't wake me up. And she was shaking me. And she and, like called me and she's like, I can't wait till And up. so when I finally woke up, she was crying and I made her feel horrible about it. And I was like, whatever, let me just go back to bed. And, and then I, I woke up a few hours later and I was just hysterically crying because it was like the first window of sobriety of, of you know, before you, those tiny five minutes that you yeah. wake up before you start using again. And um, the feeling was like, you just have death on your bones. I had no regard for my life. I had no care. Wow. So my dad got involved and he threatened to send me to AA meetings as a punishment, which didn't really make any sense. Scout um, and I basically had like an intervention. Yeah. And I, I called Rumor and I said, you need to take me to mom's house today. At this point, we were coming up on three years of not speaking. I started living with her that day. Wow. Yeah. And then I went to treatment. Um, by choice. By choice, Which, I asked to go. Wow. And when we did Tallulah's Family Week was the first time the five of our immediate family had been together in I don't even know how long. Yeah. It was intense. I don't know if you can relate to this, but growing up the way that we did, I felt that we weren't allowed to have pain because we had so much. 
when we first started talking to my mom again, she would always, like, my perception was that it was like, you guys did this to me, you guys stopped talking to me. There would like be words that she would use, like the rug got pulled out yeah. from under me. Yep. And she would be like, I just could never understand what I did that was so bad. Right. Because that's us playing the victim. We're, mm-hmm. Listen, we're very good at that. Yeah. We're very good at playing the victim. Yep. Do you agree? I do, I do. I played a lot of victim on that side too, yeah. yeah. And not being willing to accept the, the damage that we have caused. And I, and I get it, but what about how I felt all those times right. and I didn't what get about to tell me? you? Like, what about, like, yeah. there's this part of me that wants to be like, I want to have an itemized list of all of the nights <laughs> that I felt wronged or whatever it is, but also wanting to be validated for, like, how awful that was. Do you get that to me? Uh, Yeah, no, totally. And the the thing is, is I I feel like I was actually like constantly trying to invite them to please. I'm, you know, and and I I did a lot reaching out and no one responding. Yeah, you did, absolutely. I didn't want to do it. There was just a fear of like, whenever we tried to bring something up to you, she's just gonna find a way to yeah. Like, turn it into something that, where she doesn't really have to take responsibility, but she's not not taking responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I was defensive at feeling like they weren't really seeing me where I was. Mm-hmm. But in life, the reaction to something doesn't necessarily always happen in its real time. Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. what was occurring is that their reaction of what was coming was not about behavior that had been in that immediate past. It was from before. And what I was wrestling with was sitting there doing what I felt they had asked and being left. And I I totally understand that. And I I just know even with Willow, I've had to just sit with Willow and have her reality and have her pain. Let it burn and have forgiveness for myself mm-hmm. around of it course. and really Huge. own it, even if it wasn't Huge. what I meant to do, totally. even if that wasn't my intention. As a recovering addict, I, I understand that it's not a guarantee that people that you've hurt in your life, people who have yeah. been damaged by your behavior yeah. and your decisions are gonna remain in your life. Right. You know, and I've always been so grateful mm that, um, you know, Jada never gave up on me. She never gave up on us, and she was always there. Right. I wanted her to show and prove to me that I'm important enough for you to get sober. Right. I want you to show me that being in my life is worth more than any drug, any man, like anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the most human thing that you could possibly think, like, this is hurting you. I should be enough for you to not hurt yourself. Yeah. She's holding this perception that okay, you'll do this if you love me, and if you don't, you don't love me, which is a setup also to like... No, 100%. And, but, you know, at that time, time being, yes. being in so in it... You get desperate, too. Yeah, yeah, I was desperate. I was like, I have to do something. There's no one that I can trust. I have no idea what's happening. It's been so bad. And it's like someone comes over to your house in the middle of the night, and they break everything in your house, and the next morning, it's like you don't get to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It was like a pressure cooker because it had been seven, eight years of silent suffering. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This 
is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. I have a really hard time expressing anger. Where then I would be like, I can handle it. I can do it. Like, it's fine. I'll just... And then I always then take it on myself. I'll tell you this from personal experience. I've held on to so much anger, and it has turned into so much rage. Mm -hmm. And the the sneaky thing about rage and and anger and how it becomes its own thing, and you don't even even recognize it until you look around you and you go, oh, my God, there's a lot of scorched earth around me. And it just pops up It just pops up, right? And it's because it's just sitting there because it wants to be heard. Yeah, exactly. You have to work yourself through that rageful little girl Mm -hmm. that is so angry of being neglected, exactly. not heard, not seen. No, you didn't say you love me enough. You didn't c- toss that joker out the house and look at me instead of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw those bottles to the <laughs> curb. You know what I mean? I should have had number one. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. That's so real. 100%. Yeah. But as mothers, you don't want to also burden, burden yeah. or you don't yeah. want to bring something that creates fear when there is none. It could really be just a weight that's just mm-hmm. too much. I remember coming home from a back-to-school party, and all of these kids were, like, saying mean things to me, and I'm crying, and I get in the car, I'm, like, sobbing, and my mom goes, what do you think that your part in this was? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to kill you right now. <laughs> I am crying. These people yeah. are being mean. Which they always, like, give me about which it is, was so is bad it, mom no is it i would say, it's so bad i would say mom, i would mom. Say, can i finish really yes. so i would say for me it was always like 
it's, you know, I can be upset, I can be angry, I can, but what's the point? I know I'm just gonna have to get to this other place, so let's just get there. Right. Willow had a moment, not too long ago, mm -hmm. when you had that upset and you were crying on the couch and I just came to you and held you. Oh. And I said to myself, I said, I wish I had done this more with her. Mm -hmm. When you can just hold your little girl, mm -hmm. have her tears, mm -hmm. have her pain. Yeah. Back in the day, like, if I would be crying or have an upset, the energy was always like, Take that somewhere else. Yeah. Like, take that somewhere else. Because that's how and I deal was with it on your myself. own. Right. I didn't want to be with yeah. my own feelings. I mean, I do think in your survival mechanism, that toughness that's, I'm so grateful that I had, but when it seems that you're not affected or that you handle things so well on the outside, yeah. I realize that I did a disservice by not letting them see me weak. I think we need to show them not just our strength, but how we process to get through disappointment, upset, hurt. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you on that. I think that was the place that I got to of, of getting to a place of vulnerability. Exactly. Where I could cry in front of Willow. It took I you could, a long time to It took to me like... a long time because of that forging. There's this wall, there's this armor. And I was thinking about how it does a disservice to everybody we love, yeah. including ourselves. Do you feel like you overcompensated for creating safety for them or wanting to create a safe environment for them? I definitely overcompensated and I, and I, I want to just take a moment and just say to you that I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me cry. No. <laughs> yeah, she'll do that. <laughs> you know, because you don't necessarily have, because you want to create safety, yeah. vulnerability is not safe. Exactly, 100%. The way that we grew up, the way that my mother grew up, you feel like you have to be strong, mm -hmm. and the first thing you want to do is teach your girls how to be, be strong. strong. Because you didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice. No, I mean, right? that's why and that's your baseline the, was like life or death. Exactly, like, like, that was our baseline, yeah. right? And so, as we come into our healing, we come into our softness and our vulnerability, there was a time that her tears were so offensive to me. I'm yeah. sure. So offensive, yeah. which I was like, take that over there. Yeah. We can't afford that here, not realizing, yeah. Bitch, you can afford it here. Yeah. You're not in Baltimore anymore. <laughs> okay. You absolutely can afford it here, right? Yeah. But I have to confront the fact that I denied her that. Mm -hmm. And I have to confront the fact that I can give it to her now yeah, and I totally. can nurture now. And remembering that their experience and their pain is no different because exactly. the circumstances were different. I know that when you cared for your mom in her last months, that's when the healing for you really started to occur. I didn't go there even having an expectation of wanting something from her, but I just knew that that's where I was supposed to be. Demi did not speak to her mother for nearly a decade after she sold stories about her daughter and grandchildren to the tabloids. Demi's teenage mom battled addiction and mental illness. During one of her many suicide attempts, Demi used her small fingers to dig the pills out of her mother's mouth to save her life. But much of this pain and trauma, Demi kept from her daughters. When I distanced myself from my mother, it was completely justified. I was protecting my children from her behavior. But there was a point where I kind of decided who she was. Yeah. And in that moment, when I decided who she was, I realized that 
I limited her from ever becoming anything else. Mm. And that there was a part of my compassion yes. and my humanity that had been lost. Mm. Yes. And how could I expect my daughters Absolutely. to wow. have compassion wow. and hold the humanity for me if I didn't recognize that from my mother. And the gift that was the most profound is in the moments right after she passed, I was with her. And when I was able to really understand that she came into this world, like the innocence of her soul came in wanting what we all want, yes. wanting to be loved, wanting to matter, wanting to feel seen. And I was able to shift to even a deeper layer of compassion so that they could shift to me. And yes. that's the stuff, and that's the yes. piece that's been so yeah. profound. Wow. Yeah. I really try to encourage people, no matter what they've gone through, yeah. to find that loving for their parent or partner, whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, how are you guys doing? Yeah. We're done. <laughs> okay. okay. It's time to hold hands yeah. and say thank you. Thank you. And this was such a powerful, 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 powerful thank moment. Thank and thank you for, for trusting us to tell this part of your story. Yeah. It means so much. And I'm wishing you guys just all the love. And as you guys heal, trust me, we're doing yeah. it over here too. Yeah. I love yeah. it. The work never Thank ends. You. It never ends. On the next Red Table Talk, an incredible story of survival. You were found outside. Mm-hmm. In trash. Overcoming the odds. Kids kicked our ass every day. And they were calling me a white cracker lover. And the lessons learned along the way. She was all I had. An inspiring conversation with my good friend, Tommy Davidson. And the loss is just as much mine as it is yours, so it's difficult. Hey, RTT family. Join our Red Table Talk group on Facebook to become part of the conversation. And be sure to follow the show page to catch up on all our episodes. <laughs> What's up, guys? We are here with Demi and her two beautiful daughters, Rumor and Tallulah. Please swipe up and check out our beautiful conversation. Swipe up. Yeah. You guys did awesome. You did awesome. To join the Red Table Talk family and become a part of the conversation, follow us at facebook.com slash redtabletalk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Table Talk podcast, produced by Facebook Watch, Westbrook Audio, and iHeartRadio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.